stand to your feet as we honor our senior pastor, Jonathan Wilson, and welcome him up to the platform this morning. Come on, church. Thank you, Jacob. All right, you may be seated. Why don't we give our worship team a big hand and thank them for leading us in worship today. Happy Labor Day weekend. Um, Labor Day weekend is always a significant weekend, kind of marks the beginning of a school year. And for us, uh, personally, it's always, somehow it's Labor Day weekend. Everything seems to happen on Labor Day weekend. Um, I can remember our first Labor Day weekend. We had our very first worship night with Reuben Morgan, and we were down at 2601 PCH, uh, down in that on Dennis Rodman's old nightclub, and it was absolutely packed to the rafters, people hanging out the windows, and uh, it was just kind of the launch when our church just kind of first launched, and then one year later, I don't know how this happened, but London was born, and uh, she was born on the Labor Day weekend, she was born as the school bell rang at uh, CDM, and our kids had their first day, Ben and Bo had their first day in middle school, she was being born at Hogue Hospital on, on the Labor Day weekend. And uh, right now she is with my wife Di and Bella and Ben and Bo, they're all in South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina, left me all on my own with the dogs. I'm in the dog house. No, actually the dogs are in my house. I remind them of that. And, uh, and Ben proposed to his girlfriend, Morgan, and they're now officially engaged. So we have two of our twin boys. Ben, Bo is engaged to Kylie. Uh, Kylie Bunchu and uh, Morgan Swan. Ben is engaged to Morgan Swan. So, yeah, it all happened. It all happens on Labor Day weekend. And... Uh, Amazing. So anyway, I'm so glad that you're here. I know that a lot of people are away on this weekend. It's kind of the last, it's the last hurrah before we knuckle down and get down to business. So I'm excited. It's always good for me too because I think, come on, let's get on with building the church and building the kingdom. Summer's over, vacation's over, let's get into it. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And of course, uh, this Tuesday did... did um, did uh, Jacob mention that this Tuesday? We have our, our combined meeting here, life groups meeting here. I love life groups. You know, one of the things we do in our life group is we eat. And uh, what an amazing thing it is that God created us to eat, not just once and then, you know, a month later we eat again. No, we get to eat three times a day. I know it's a revelation to many of you. Some of us eat more often than that. <laughs> I've been trying to eat a little less. But um, we love to eat, hang out, meet together, and encourage one another. So that's going to be this Tuesday night. It's going to be a time when we connect, we gather. I'll share a couple of things. I know our worship team, I think, are doing one or two things. But if you'd like to get, in, get involved or just, just get to kind of connect with some more people in the church and the life of the church, that's this Tuesday. We'd love you to do that. The other thing I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about our giving this uh, before, we, um, before I get into my message. Um, 
Many of you will know that as a church, uh, we're not only, um, you know, we don't just hold Sunday services and this is not all that we do. There's a lot that we do that goes on in the church that actually you could come in and, and on a Sunday and maybe not get to hear all of the things that are happening in the life of the church. But we have a lot of relationships uh, with people around the world and uh, as a church, we've always had a, an outward focus. We've wanted to be a church with an outward focus. And uh, we have uh, our vision uh, initiatives that uh, really some of them kind of were not put on hold, but some of them we weren't able to do. Like we were going to build a house in Peru. Peru's been in lockdown and it's going to be in lockdown, I think, for another year or so or a long time. I'm looking at the Peruvians here for affirmation of that. But we're going to dig a well. We're going to build a house in Peru. We had to put that on hold. Uh, but some things we were able to do. And uh, your giving, uh, not just of your, your donations and your tithes, but your offerings towards our vision initiatives is making a difference. And some of you may not know that you can give towards, specifically towards, our vision initiatives. And I think when it comes to our giving every week, we talk about it. You can go online. I think if we can put that screen up there, uh, you can check it out on the screen. You can, you can give. Uh, when you go to that online uh, uh, link, uh, you can specify what you want to give to, you, whether it's a donation, whether it's a tithe or a donation or an offering specifically, or if you're a kingdom builder, people who are making a commit financial commitment for the year to fund and resource the church, uh, you can do that. But also you can put on there your vision initiative. You can specify that you want to give an offering to your vision initiative. And we've always said that our vision initiatives are over and above our tithes. We want to do something beyond what we're doing here. Obviously, we have expenses um, you know, we have rent to pay and all the expenses that we have to pay uh, as a church, but the reality is we don't, we want to be doing more beyond ourselves. Uh, some of you will know um, that we have relationships in Peru, and one of the people that uh, is a great friend of, of mine, really, and dies. I've known uh, this gentleman, Alf and Fury, and his wife, Kathy. Uh, for 40 years. He was actually Robin Dumas' first pastor. Robin Dumas' first pastor in San Diego. And then he went to Australia. He's a New Zealander originally, moved to America, planted a church there, went back to Australia, which is where I, when I knew him 40 years ago. And now he went as a 70-something-year-old, in his mid-70s, he and his wife, as a missionary to Peru. And good on him. And uh, he's a, Al Fury's a fiery preacher. He's preached here in the church. And he's in Peru, you can't receive, um, you can't receive financial support. Uh, or you can't be employed in Peru as a, as a foreigner. So he, he receives uh, offerings that help support him in Peru. But because Peru was in lockdown, he got stru stuck in Australia. Long story short, he called me the other day and said, Hey, I'm stuck in Australia. I had a whole lot of speaking engagements lined up, which is his livelihood. And he said, Australia's in lockdown. Australia had one case of COVID, so the whole country locked down. I'm just joking. 
Um, no, but Australia had some COVID and lockdown. Um, and the, I'm not going to get into it now, but the country is being run by the health department, not the government in Australia. But that's a whole other story. And anyway, so he said, so I haven't got, uh, he said, I'm just calling some friends, see if some people can help uh, uh, because we, we're in dire need right now. So we sent a check to him for $1,000 just to support him. Well, you can contribute towards that if you want to uh, by specifying in the vision offering section. Um, he's doing an awesome job. And uh, it was an opportunity for us to, to reconnect and to bless him. And he was extremely grateful and thankful for that. How many of you know Bijou Thampi? Bijou Thampi is doing an awesome work in India. And right now, India is in huge, huge need. Uh, the, I think the Delta variant came uh, out of India. And was, that was where it first began and uh, they're facing enormous need over there. And, you know, in a sense, what we do is just a drop in the bucket. But every, like Mother Teresa, who did such a great work in India, said, and this is paraphrased, this is the JW paraphrase version, uh, if, uh, if what we do is just a drop in the ocean, then the ocean would be one drop less if we didn't do what we do. So everything that we do makes a difference. So again, you can contribute to that, and we've made a commitment to them over the year, and you can contribute to that commitment by putting that in the drop-down for our vision offering. And then, of course, food with love. Food with love. We want to highlight every, every month on the first Sunday of the month, we want to kind of do a special vision highlight so that you get to see and get to hear what we're doing as a church. Food with love here uh, every single week. Our team are out there. And I've got to tell Reno sent me some info here, and I want to share that with you. Um, he said, what did Reno say? The gospel according to Reno. Uh, Reno, Reno, Reno said that on average... Um, this year, we've, uh, we've served a total of 2,560 families and an average of 4,000 pounds of distribution a week. That's 128,000 pounds of food this year. So, that, and, and those, that, that is feeding whole families and making a huge difference. So, thank you again. Your contribution and your giving is making that possible. And I honestly, you know, that's really what, you know, for Pastor Di and myself, that's always been in our heart. We want to be a church that's a storehouse that's reaching our community and touching and meeting people at their point of need. One of the other exciting things that we do within our church, which is reaching out beyond our church, is our grief share group, which meets every week. And Robin Duma has been doing an amazing job with that. Lisa Geiger is helping her in that. They're doing an amazing work. Both Robin and Lisa lost one of their children. Uh, Robin, her daughter, um, Raquel, and Lisa, um, her, her, her son, Danny, um, and Jeff, Lisa and Jeff are here this morning. And out of that, 
and, and was, was shared a little bit this morning in that testimony about life groups, out of their experience and out of their pain and out of their heartache, they're reaching out beyond themselves and they're helping other people who are navigating the same painful journey that they had to navigate. And it's such a powerful, to me, I, I love the fact that, that of what they're doing and they're helping people in need. And uh, we've had, uh, since we started Grief Share, was that two years ago? Last year only, we've had 79 people go through Grief Share and through the Grief Share group, 24 this year alone. And you think about the impact of that on those 79 families, all navigating painful, a painful journey of loss. So I'm so thrilled that we can do that. And again, that comes out of the heart of our house and our church. So um, give yourselves a big hand and uh, thank God for your contribution and the part that you play. And of course, I think everyone knows you can give online. Mostly everything we do is digital. How many people watch more YouTube than TV now? Come on. Probably, I think I do. I think that's the way everything's going. You know, we've got this. Just yeah, Anyway, I'm not going to get on to that. Um, and, we, and, and so you can give online. Just look it up. All the details are there. You can text. You can go online. You can give by push pay. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. Whether you're watching online or here today, we could not do it without you. So we're thankful for you. I took a little bit of time on that, but I think it's important. Who enjoys those updates? Just so that you can know what we're doing. All right. Are you ready for the word? I'm speaking about restoration. Restoration. I think there's something in the heart of every single human being that wants to see things made right. If we have a relationship that gets off track or a relationship that, that, that you know, doesn't work out, there's something inside the heart of a human soul that wants to make it right. The Apostle Paul talked about this in the book of Romans. He was talking to the Romans. I'm, I, I'm kind of a big fan of history. I sent a, a text to our son, Bo, who's in South Carolina today, uh, because three years ago, Yesterday, on, on London's birthday it was, and she never let me forget it, we were in Italy, and uh, we were in Rome. And uh, I sent him these photographs of Rome, and we did Rome in one day. If you want to know how to do Rome in a day, ask me and Bo. Uh, and I sent him the text, and I said, Rome wasn't built in a day, but we did it in a day. <laughs> and so... Uh, Paul, the apostle, sent his letter to the Romans, and in his letter to the Romans, he, he explained how the whole of creation is an expression of the glory of God, and that we are, even if we haven't heard the good news of the gospel, we are without excuse, in a sense, when we look at the creation, because the creation declares and the heavens declare the glory of God. 
And then he goes on to talk about how the whole of creation is groaning in travail as a woman in childbirth, waiting for the restoration of the sons and daughters of God and waiting for the restoration of the original order of things before sin entered the universe, before death, decay, uh, before uh, Adam and Eve fell in the garden. And so all of creation is crying out for restoration. There's something within all of us that wants what's wrong to be put right, to see what's broken to be made whole, to see what is lost restored. And the wonder of the gospel, and Jacob talked about that this morning, is that God is a God of restoration. He restores what's lost. He repairs and restores what's broken. He, he's a God who, who wants us to receive even more than what was lost. And over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking a little bit about that, about loss. I think in one of our podcasts, uh, William, I'd like to do something on loss in our conversations over coffee. Um, the reality is every single one of us have experienced loss in our lives. I lose things all the time, but the good news is I find them invariably because I don't give up. But all of us have lost all of us have lost loved ones. All of us have lost relationships, friendships, maybe that, that something went wrong along the way. There was an offense or there was a falling out. All of us have lost opportunity. All of us have lost time. But the good news is, even though we can't change our past, God wants to change our future. And when God restores he doesn't just replace what was lost. He restores with new life. If you want to hear some more about that, I talked about it in last week's message. But think about this. Think about the disciples. The disciples lost Jesus. They were absolutely devastated on Good Friday, which was not a Good Friday for them. As Jesus hung on the cross and he he. he breathed his last and cried out, it is finished. The disciples walked away from that cross devastated. And when they went to the empty, to the tomb on Sunday morning, three days later, and they found that the tomb was empty, all of their, all, all of their sorrow at the loss that they had experienced, when the realization came that Jesus had been resurrected, was transformed by the fact that God had restored to them what was lost. But when God restored to them what was lost, He didn't restore to them the original of what was lost. He restored to them a resurrected Christ, far greater, far more glorious, far more wonderful, far more powerful than even the one that they had walked with for those three years. Because you see, whenever God restores, He restores something greater. He restores something better. And when we look at the Bible and the story of the Bible, God always restores what was lost with new life. 
And he also brings a grace that enables us to be able to navigate the loss that we've experienced and bring new life out of it. I think I talked and I touched on that, but one of the things I, I, I am so, so happy about the, the Grief Share course, when I say happy, that's maybe not the right word, but I'm so encouraged and I'm so, I, I, I so love that course because I think in a sense that encapsulates what I'm talking about. That out of our pain and out of our sorrow, we can help others on their journey. And we can bring new life. And then God will continue to bring new life to us. If you read the story of Job, the story of Job is he lost everything at the beginning. But at the end, he rest God restores to him double. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. So I want to talk today about some principles of restoration in the few moments that I have. Principles of restoration. Um, here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready? God promises, God's promises require us to live by his principles. Who wants to receive the promises of God? We all do. But if we're going to receive the promises of God, we have to receive, we have to live by his principles. Some of you may have heard the story when I went to school. I went to a boarding school in England uh, and back in the dark ages. It was in the dark ages when they could you know, beat you and treat you with great, you know, as, as they did back in the day. But... Um, I went to a boarding school, and I had a, I had a, uh, a teacher called A.J. Rickards. I'll never forget him. And A.J. Rickards, most of my teachers had fought through the Second World War. Um, A.J. Rickards taught me Latin. And I used to say, we used to say, Latin is a language as dead as dead can be. It killed the ancient Romans, and now it's killing me. And he would teach me. He would teach us how to translate Latin into English, but he would tell us, I want you to do it my way. And so he had a way of doing it. I can't tell you what it was now, but it was, you know, find the verb and then the adjective and then the noun and so on and so forth. Um, and if you translated it wrongly, he'd write on it on your paper, my way. I want you to do it my way. And then he'd shout at you in class, I want you to do it my way. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things I learned. If I was going to get it right, I had to do it A.J. Rickard's way. But it's exactly the same in a way, although God is far more gracious in our relationship with God. If we want, to, if we want the same Bible results, we need to live our lives God's way. And so I'm going I'm to share some of these thoughts with you, and I'm going to share them over the next couple of weeks because there is no way I'm going to get these through, through these today. But there's three words that I want to talk about. If we, want to, if we want God to restore, and I want you to think about these three words. First of all, the first word is return. The second word is rebuild. And the third word is reestablish. Return, re rebuild, reestablish. And we find that pattern throughout all of Scripture. Return, 
Rebuild, reestablish. If we want God to restore, return, rebuild, reestablish. And so I'm going to start with return. And here's the statement. If you're taking notes, write this down. And all of you that don't take notes, I know that you have photographic memories, and so you will remember this about, for about three and a half minutes. <laughs> so here's the statement that I want you to think about for the next three and a half minutes. Return precedes restoration. Return precedes restoration. When we read the Bible, we find throughout the Bible that humankind deviates from God's way and deviates from God's plan. Right back in the very beginning, of course, Adam and Eve. Adam was the, and Eve were the first ones to deviate from God's plan. And then God brings restoration, and then we deviate again. And God brings restoration, and we deviate again. I mean, I've seen those tendencies in my own life. I am, believe it or not, a human being. And like other people, other human beings, that is our natural tendency, is that we stray off course, we have to be brought back, we stray to a degree, and then we return. Now, I'm not talking about deviating to the point where we abandon our faith or we live a lifestyle that is in, in contrary to our faith, but the human heart Jeremiah says, above all else, is wicked. The human heart has a tendency to, to move, to drift. Does that make sense? So, so there is a, a, a bias in all of us to deviate away from God's way and from staying on track, which is why we need focus, why we need to stay focused, why we need to stay on track. And so when that deviation takes place, God has a simple remedy. And that's, this is the word he uses, return. Return. And we find time, ag time again, God says, return and then I will. Return and then I will restore. Return and then I will redeem. Return and then I will rebuild. So the starting point for restoration is to return. Now, maybe it's not a return. Maybe it's a turn. Maybe it's just God saying, turn to me. And we all know what that's like when we experience things that happen. Hopefully, our first response is to turn to Jesus. Something happens while you're driving on the 405 freeway. Hopefully, our first call is to Jesus. Jesus! I hear that all the time while I'm driving, die. Just kidding. Um, but that's hopefully our first call. We turn to Jesus. But Jesus is God saying, return to me. Here's a couple of scriptures for you. God says, uh, Jeremiah 15, uh, verse 9. This is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I will restore you. So here's, here's the, the, if there's any area in our life that we need God to restore, our first port of call is to turn to Him. And, and if, we, if we have deviated, then let's return to Him. And let's return to some of the 
priorities. Let's return to some of the practices. Let's return to some of the principles. Let's return to some of those things that'll help us to get on track. Just recently, I've returned to some of my previous habits of exercise and diet to get me back on track with my health and my weight and my, my general well-being and energy. And, but, and, but I had to return to that. I had kind of deviated from that somewhat. And uh, it's, oh, I love deviating from it. I eat, get to eat all those things, you know, and returning is so much harder. <laughs> no more pasta. Uh, no more roast potatoes made in duck fat. No more, <laughs> no more of those amazing things that I used to be able to eat. I had to return to my former disciplined habits. But it's amazing when you do how much you get to enjoy those things and you enjoy the benefits. And it's a matter of returning. And God says, turn to me or return to me and then I will restore to you. Nehemiah, listen to this. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 9. Nehemiah is a great book about the restoration of a nation, the nation of Israel, in fact, the nation of Judah or the tribe of Judah and Benjamin who became known as the Jewish people. The nation of Israel actually never returned from captivity. It was only the, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. When they returned and Nehemiah came and he they rebuilt the city walls, and God restored them, the nation, the, the, the Jewish people, to Jerusalem. God says to Nehemiah, if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Notice here God says, if, if you return, then, if you return, then I will restore you. If you return, then I will bring you back. If you return, then I will do what you want me to do in the work of restoration. Isaiah 44 and verse 22, I have, God says, I have swept you away. Your, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Zechariah 1 and verse 13. Therefore tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says to me. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord. So the starting point for all of us to experience restoration in any area of our lives is to return to the Lord. You say, well, I was, already on, I was already on track. I was already focused. I was already following the Lord closely. Well, you can remove the re from the turn and turn. Just turn to God. Because the solution is God. I was listening to a friend of mine who's on our church board, um, who uh, uh, John Siebling, who pastors a great church in Memphis, and I was just listening to his message from 
uh, today, and I thought I'm just going to pinch that from his message. But he was talking about, uh, in this message, about, you know, behavior modification. And sometimes we focus on behavior modification. I mean, I, you know, my daughter's starting her master's in clinical psychology, and I've told her that she has a, you know, I'm a casebook of study on, you know, that she can use as an example, and just kidding. Uh, but uh, I, 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 behavior modification is something that we all focus on. Anyone here need behavior modification? Don't put your hand up for your spouse here, anyone. We all need behavior modification. But he was talking about how sometimes we focus on behavior modification rather than focusing on our heart relationship with God and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we focus, we try really hard to change, but nothing happens because we're focusing on behavior modification rather than our heart and our heart relationship with God. And so in, in, the, in, in, in all of our, in, in, in the, every aspect of restoration, the starting point is to return to God, to turn to Him. Now, one of the aspects of this word return, the first thing that we looked at is return precedes restoration. The second thing that I want to highlight is that return, repentance precedes restoration. Now, we don't necessarily, some churches might talk a lot about repentance. We don't major on repentance because I don't think that we should major on any specific aspect of theology, and we maybe don't talk a lot about repentance, but repentance is fundamentally important if we're going to experience restoration. So, the idea of repentance, I think, sometimes carries with it a, a often greatly misunderstood concept of that word. Repentance and condemnation seem to go hand in hand. Um, I love the, that movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, we traveled once on a road trip in Australia from Sydney to Rockhampton, which is pretty much up in northern Queensland, all up the eastern coast of Australia with our kids when they were younger. And we, it was back in the day when the video screens first started in in you know, in cars, and it went through the sound system, and they, they watched my big fat Greek wedding over and over and over again. I know all the words to that, uh, or to that movie, um, and that's like a, you know, that's like the trip I just did with Bella from Seattle down here to, to Southern California, maybe a little bit further. But in, the, in it, she talks about how she grew up, you know, everything... All the food, everything was served up in their house with lashes of guilt. <laughs> and, and, you know, maybe you grew up in that environment where guilt and con guilt, condemnation, guilt, repentance all go together. You know, we need to beat ourselves up, uh, you know, uh, and to repent. But that's not the way that God is. And that's not what repentance is. You see, the word repentance in Greek is the word metanoia. 
Metanoia is made up of two words, which means change, meta, metamorphosis. Um, can't think of another word beginning with meta, uh, but metamorphosis, metabolic, metallurgical, metaphor. Very good. Change, meta change, noia mind, a change of mind. We used to use that word in England, I don't know if we use it here, nous, use your nous, use your mind. Metanoia means a change of mind, so repentance is a change of mind. And what it actually means is to have a change, metanoia, repentance, change of mind, is I have a change of mind and I make a 180 degree turn and I begin to walk in the other direction. When I had an encounter with Christ that changed, when I became a Christian, I literally had a, a, an experience like that, where my life just was turned around 180 degrees. And repentance is not just necessarily tears and weeping, and, and I had plenty of tears and weeping when I accepted Christ as my Savior. I had a significant, a very powerful experience. It's not the same for everyone. It's a decision. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk the other way. And so whether it's receiving Christ as our Savior and saying, I need a Savior. I don't want to keep doing this on my own. I need to be born again. I need God's help in my life. I need to be forgiven. And I'm making a decision to accept Christ. And I'm turning around and I'm heading in the other direction. Whether it's that or whether it's something in our lives that needs to change. Anyone have anything in their life that needs to change? Don't need to put your hands up. I know you all do. We all do. But it's making a decision. I need to repent. I need to turn around. And I need to ask God's forgiveness. And I need to begin to walk the other way. That is the true meaning of the word repentance. Metanoia. A change of mind. And I think probably the greatest example of that is the story of the prodigal son or the wasteful son. I think it's probably the most familiar of Jesus' parables where the son, two sons, the younger son asks for his inheritance, goes away to a far-off land, wastes his inheritance. Uh, he's broke. He's so broke that he, hire, he, hires, he, he takes on a job feeding pigs, which is about as low as you could get as a Jewish uh, as, a, as a Jew in those days. And so he's in there in the pig, in, in amongst all the pigs, and the pigs will, so hungry that he can eat what the pigs are eating. And there's a verse there, in, in the verse it says here, let me read this, in Luke chapter 15, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. That is the true definition of repentance. He literally turned around and went home. 180 degree turn. And, and of course, when he was, came home, he was received by his heavenly Father with unbelievable grace. His Father ran to meet him. 
It's the only place. His father, who is a picture of God, it's the only place in the Bible you see God running. And in Jesus' day, for a man to run, because they had long robes, would have to pick him up and run, was undignified. And so when Jesus told that story, he was saying, God is prepared to make himself look undignified, to run towards you and forgive you. That's the kind of grace that God wants to extend to each and every one of us. And so the question that we ask, if we want something restored or we've lost something, is to come back in our return to God and ask ourselves, is there something in my life that I need to turn around? Is there some area of my life that needs a meta, a change, that I need to apply my nous to, my mind to, to make a decision, I'm going to change this behavior, I'm going to change this pattern, I'm going to change this rut that I've got into, and I'm going to turn around. And it may not be necessarily immediately connected to the thing that we want restored, but you see, everything in life is connected. And when it comes to God and the work of His restoration, it is all connected to our heart. So maybe the thing that we need changed has nothing to do with the pattern that's changed or the rut that we're in, but in God's perspective it is because it all comes back to our heart. So the question today when we look at restoration, what do I need to turn around? What do I need to make a turnaround? What do I need to change? Where do I need to repent? And it is literally coming to God and saying, God, I repent of this. I turn to you. Forgive me. Help me. Give me grace. May your Holy Spirit help me to change this behavior, change this habit, change this thought pattern, change this attitude, change my heart. And then the third thing that I want to talk about, return as we close, just to touch on this. The first thing we saw was return precedes restoration. Repentance precedes restoration. Thirdly, revelation precedes restoration. Rever revelation precedes restoration. I'm going to get the worship team to come if you would. Revelation precedes restoration so the son in the pig pen had a revelation in the pig pen could write a book called, on that called the revelation in the pig pen he had a revelation he came to his senses restoration is always preceded by revelation you see when I came to Christ all those years ago I had a revelation and I could never be restored to the relationship that God wanted me to have not that I really had it but I could never be restored my soul could not be restored my spirit could not be restored to relationship with God the plan that he had for me 
at the very beginning of time. It could not be changed. It could not be restored until I had a revelation. And you know that, what that revelation was for me? Three words. Maybe I'm wrong. See, I believe that there were many paths to God. I believe that I was a pretty good person as things went. There were many paths to God and I was just taking my path. But there was a moment when I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of whispered in my ear, maybe you're wrong. Maybe Jesus is the way. And I asked myself the question, maybe I'm wrong. And that revelation began, was the turning point in my life where I experienced the fullness of God's love, grace, forgiveness. And I think all of us, not just at the moment of salvation, just like the work of repentance, we need God, we need that revelation. God, every day, give me revelation that my heart might be right with you. Show me. Reveal what's in my heart. Show me if there's any wicked way in me, which is what David prayed. Show me if there's anything that I need to change because I need that revelation in my life so that I can experience the full work of your restoration in my life. And so as we close, the worship team are here and we're going to sing a verse of a song I don't know what we're going to sing, but it's going to be good. We're going to stand together. I want you to stand with me. And as we sing this, I just want you 